Um, okay, so we're talking about faith today. Um, we're still continuing in our faith series. And I don't know about you guys, but I started thinking, and we're not in Second Peter, just so you know. I did not actually update that. That was my fault. Um, but we are talking about faith. Faith that can move mountains into the sea. Wow. Metaphor. Um, so we're talking about faith this morning, and I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I feel like we talk about something so much that sometimes, do you ever feel like a word has like lost its meaning? You know what I mean? Like one time I remember I was talking about, um, gardening tools and I, I was talking about a rake and I said the word rake so many times that I was like, I like, what does that mean? What is a rake? I don't know anymore. It's lost its meaning. Um, but sometimes I feel that way about words we use a lot of times in our Christian communities, like the word faith. I started thinking about it and I was like, what are we talking about when we're talking about faith? What are we, um, what are we saying? Sometimes we mean like, oh, we have great faith. We have great belief. Like we believe something's going to happen. We believe God's going to move in this one way. We have great faith. We really believe it. And then sometimes we're talking about like, do you live a life of faith? Someone will ask, um, are you a faith person or do you live a life of faith or whatever? And, and that's kind of more what I want to talk about today is living a life of faith and what that means. Um, by definition, faith is complete confidence or trust in something. Write that down. Faith is complete confidence or trust in something. And what that means is it's not partial confidence or trust in something. Faith is complete confidence, complete trust in something. And so this morning, we're going to talk about complete confidence and complete trust in Jesus Christ. Because that's what we believe as Christians. That's what our faith is. It's complete confidence and complete trust in Jesus. Um, I grew up at church. I grew up at this church. Um, A lot of times I'll make the joke like, I was born on the front pew. (laughs) Um, But it's a bit overdone. You know what I mean? So I won't make it today. Um, But I was born here and I grew up here. And somewhere along the way, I became very religious. I became such a little religious person. Um, I was like a walking around mini Pharisee. And I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but somehow it happened. And so when I was in high school, you guys are in high school now. Maybe some of you have heard me say this, but when I was in high school, I actually wrote the Ten Commandments um, in this big, thick chalk on my closet doors. So I wrote the Ten Commandments out like huge. I had these two huge closet doors. I wrote the Ten Commandments out, five on one side, five on the other side, you know, symmetry. Um... I wanted my design to look nice in chalk on my closet doors. So I wrote the Ten Commandments out of my closet doors. And I wonder if my parents ever went in my room and thought, like, why does she need to remember to not, like, resurrect an idol? (laughs) Like, why why is she writing down, like, thou shalt not murder? Like, is Michelle struggling? Like, (laughs) should we be concerned that she's reminding herself not to covet her neighbor's wife? Like, I don't know. They may have wondered, who knows, but I became really um, religious and I really, really felt deep down, I don't know if I would have said this, but looking back, I know I really felt like the more I did, like the better I was, the more um, like religious merit I had, the more I could trust God. Like, like if I read my Bible every day, then I could pray to God and be like, okay, like he'll answer me. Like he owes me. Like I filled up my side of the deal. Like now God will do it. Or the more that I prayed or like, I felt like, okay, I haven't listened to offensive rap in a few weeks. So my prayers are sure to be answered. 
Or I felt like if I prayed often, or if I was in church, or if I showed up to Wednesday morning Bible study on time, I felt like if I did all these things, if I did all these things that I thought I was supposed to do, then I could trust God, then I could have faith in God, because I fulfilled my end of the deal. So now, God will fulfill his end of the deal. That's what I thought. That's how I lived. Um, It wasn't until I discovered truly the love of God. It wasn't until I understood truly, deeply, and for myself what God's love was that I was that I broke out of this religious mold, this Pharisee person that I had become, and I was able to truly just know Jesus. And so I want to share a bit of my story today with you, and and I want to do that in context of the Bible. The Bible matters. There's good stuff in here. It helps us to know Jesus and listen to the Spirit. So we're going to read it. Um, Before we do, can we pray together? Lord... I just ask that this morning you would speak. God, I ask this morning that you would come and you'd speak to us, Lord. Our faith isn't about um, us completing a set of tasks in order to be listened to by you. Actually, our faith is about just knowing you. Our faith is about a relationship with you. Our faith is much more about you than it is about us. And that, to me, is so freeing. Lord, I pray over each person in here that, that, that we would walk out at the end of this service on Sunday knowing you more and understanding your love and grace and goodness better. God, would we not be people who are religious and who live this life of a Pharisee, but would we be people who live lives of Christ followers? That's what we want. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. This is what we're going to read out of today. Luke 7, 1 through 10. The faith of the centurion. Verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all of this, the stuff he said in the red before chapter 7, In the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom had mastered, whom had master, oh my goodness. (laughs) Did anyone hear Sam say, oh my goodness, in the video, by the way? Oh my goodness. (laughs) That was so funny. Okay. Okay, we're going to try it again. Verse 2, chapter 7, verse 2. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master highly valued, was sick and about to die. So there was a centurion who had a servant. Who knows what a centurion is? Uh, Not Nate. Hope? A Roman soldier. Nate knew it too. It's great. A Roman soldier. Good job, Hope. A centurion was a Roman soldier officer who had like a hundred people under him usually, okay? And I, yeah, okay. Um, So this Roman soldier officer had a servant. And he was sick. Verse 3, the centurion heard about Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to ask him to come and heal his servant. So this Roman officer heard about Jesus, probably heard that Jesus worked miracles. And so he got some of the elders that were Jews near him and sent them to Jesus to ask, Jesus, would you heal the centurion's servant? Verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. So we're going to take a break. So what the elders were saying, these Jewish elders went on behalf of the centurion to Jesus. And they're these um, Jewish people. And the centurion was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. So it was like probably seen to be better that the Jews went to Jesus because Jesus was also a Jew. So these elders go to Jesus and they say, listen. This centurion, we know he's a Gentile, but he built us a synagogue, and he's, like, you know, doing good things for the city, and he's awesome, and he deserves it. Like, please, will you come heal his servant? He really deserves it. So Jesus goes. 
So maybe we'd be thinking like, oh, Jesus also sees that like he built a synagogue, like he's a good guy. The Jews are vouching for him. Like maybe we should go. Maybe I should go. Maybe I should heal him. That's what we might think. But wait, there's more. Dun, 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 dun. So verse six, Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent a friend to him to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. That one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. So what happened is a bunch of his friends, he sent his friends. So, you know, he sends the Jewish elders. They go tell Jesus. Then all of them are on the way back. And Jesus sends his friends to go tell his friends, listen, I don't even, they're like relaying the message. Like, I don't even deserve you to come to my house. Like, but I know that if you just say he's healed, even when you're not at the house, even when you're not there, I know that, I know that if you just say it, he'll be healed. So that's the message the centurion said, sent to Jesus. Verse nine, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed He turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So that's, here's what's crazy about this. He says, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Israel is like Jesus's people. Israel, that's like the Jewish people. They're Jesus's people. They've received so many prophecies that Jesus is coming. The savior of the world is coming. He's going to be great. He's going to save you guys. But even they don't have as great a faith as the centurion. And the cool thing to me about that is it has nothing to do with hearing that he built a synagogue. Jesus's, um, Jesus's recognition of the centurion's faith doesn't have anything to do with the thing that he built, with the stuff that he has, even with his religion. It doesn't have to do with that. All that it has to do with is the centurion's recognition of himself as less and Jesus as more. That is where Jesus sees the centurion's faith. He recognizes himself as less and Jesus as greater than. What we're seeing is this really interesting juxtaposition of two places that someone's faith is put in. There's these two opportunities to find our faith. There's these two places where where someone's faith could be staked in. And the Jewish elders go to Jesus and they say, he's built this synagogue. He's done this stuff. He's a friend to Israel. Here's all of his religious merit. They lay out his religious merit. And the reason is because that's where they're staking this guy's, uh, that's where they're staking this guy's faith. That's where they're saying he'll, he should get healed because he deserves it. He should get healed because he Uh, built this thing and did this stuff and looks really good. That's why he should, his servant should get healed because of all this stuff, this religious merit. Does that make sense? I think we do this like all the time. We do this all the time. We think that, that we will get something from God, that we'll have favor from God, that maybe we'll be loved by God, that maybe God will, will answer our prayers or will love us more if we have religious merit. Religious merit, maybe you haven't built a synagogue, but maybe you've been concerned about how often do you read your Bible, or maybe you've thought to yourself, I haven't been to church in a while, or, or whatever else, and we assume that God's favor, love, and providence in our lives is dependent on that. 
that walking with God is somehow dependent on like my ability to complete a checklist, that walking with God and having faith and being a person of, of the Christian faith is somehow dependent on our ability to, to complete things. The problem is that those things are so external, and the problem is that those things are not dependent on Jesus. Those things are dependent on us. When I was in elementary school, I must have been like six or seven. I had this big, fat black lab. She was so fat. Her name was Lucy, and you could um, set a plate on her back, and she would like walk around, and it wouldn't move. Like that, can you imagine? Like that's how fat she was. She looked like a seal. We always called her a seal because she was just like so rotund, but with like the littlest head. So cute. I loved her so much. And when, when I was six or seven, she ran away. She ran away one day, as dogs do. We fed her too much, and she was like, I can't take any more of this overfeeding. So she ran away, and I remember I was standing at my front door just weeping, begging God to bring Lucy back. I wanted my fat dog back so bad. And I was standing at the front door, and I was begging God. I was like, God, I will pray every single day for the rest of my life if you bring my dog back. I was like, Lord... Your servant will be dedicated to your kingdom and your church if you bring back Fat Lucy. I made so many deals with God as a young child. Somehow, somewhere along the way, very young, I learned that if I wanted something from God, I had to make a deal with him. So I was like, Lord, I'll do anything. I will do anything for you to bring my dog back. And um, believe it or not, I, I, I was praying this and I opened my eyes and there comes Lucy running up the driveway, passing me by and going straight to her food dish. <laughs> but my dog came back. But guess what? I didn't pray every day. I didn't. I skipped some days. Sometimes when you're seven, it's hard to remember. <laughs> but that, wouldn't that make you think like, well, if you didn't pray every day, like you didn't fulfill your end of the deal. Like, you didn't fulfill your end of the deal. God did his side of the deal, but you didn't do yours. The thing is, is Jesus is our side of the deal. Jesus is our end of the deal. Jesus Christ completed and fulfilled our end of the deal so that we could be in perfect relationship with God, so that we could be restored to God, so that we could have that relationship back with God. Jesus fulfilled all the things that are shortcomings of ours. Jesus is our end of the deal. And it's already been done. It's already been done. It's already been completed. And so when I make deals with God, like, God, bring my dog back and I'll worship and praise you, I'll fall short. Or when I say, God, I'm going to be such a good follower of you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life because I love you and I'm committed to you. And then I fall away. That's not God saying, sorry, you missed out. You can't have eternal life with me. You can't have kingdom life on earth with me anymore because you didn't read your Bible today. Ugh. You should have woken up a little earlier. Or if I don't go to church for a few months, or if I don't do whatever, God's not saying, sorry, you didn't fulfill your end of the deal. Or if I sin, God doesn't say, sorry, you didn't fulfill your end of the deal, because that's what it's really about. That's what it's really about, you guys, is our faith isn't dependent on our abilities, on our merit, on our abstaining from sin. Our faith isn't dependent on, on the things that we do or don't do. And I know we say this all the time, but we say it all the time because it's the gospel message. We say it all the time because it's vital to your faith to know that your faith is not hinging upon your ability to not sin. 
And it's not hinging on the good things you do. Instead, your faith is hinging on Jesus Christ. Your faith is built on the foundation of Jesus. The foundation of our lives is Jesus, and that means it doesn't have to be the stuff we do. It doesn't have to be the good things we do, and it doesn't have to be the bad things we do. Our faith is about Jesus, and that is so freeing. The centurion put all of his faith in Jesus. He recognized that he deserved nothing. He recognized that he deserved nothing, but he said, but Jesus, I know that if you say the word, then it will be done. If you say the word, then my servant will be healed. And, and I, and I want to say it again because it's so important. The faith of the centurion was this. I'm less. I deserve nothing. I've done nothing, but I know you can do it. I, know, I believe in you. I know you. I know you have power. I know you have life. I know you have what it takes. I'm nothing. You are greater. I'm less. You're greater. I'm less. You're more. That's faith. That's what faith is. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about complete confidence and complete trust in Jesus. Not halfway confidence in Jesus and halfway confidence in me. Not halfway trust in Jesus and halfway trust in um, whatever guy you're dating at the time. Not halfway confidence in Jesus has my life, but also like, oh, I want a little bit of control. No, faith is about complete trust, complete confidence in Jesus, and less of me. Less of my desires, less of my plans, less of what I want, more Jesus. That is faith. So when we talk about faith, that's what we're talking about. Um, I love this quote. I read this in a commentary uh, this morning. It says, the less faith we have, the less we esteem Jesus. The more faith we have, the less we esteem ourselves. I'll read that again. The less faith we have, the less we esteem Jesus. And the more faith we have, the more, the less we esteem ourselves. Isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? When we're running low on faith, when we're running low on our confidence and our trust in Jesus, it often results in, like, not thinking about Jesus. It often results on not esteeming him, not praising him, not glorifying him. But then in the, in the reverse of that, the more faith we have, the more it results in the less concern about ourselves less stress about ourselves, less worry about ourselves. It, it, it's like you like step back out of the limelight and allow Jesus to be there. Isn't that true? It's amazing. The less faith we have, the less we esteem Jesus. And the more faith we have, the less we esteem ourselves. Take your merit out of your faith. I... I struggled with this for so long in high school and college. My, my merit, my abilities, the things I did were the foundation of my faith. Reading my Bible every day and having a checklist in the front of my life journal with every single box checked off, like that to me was faith. Because I did a good job. I got 100% on my life journal, you know. But really, that's relying on me. That's relying on my abilities. That's relying on the things that I do. It's not relying on the things that Jesus does. We're going to um, finish up here in a minute and end in worship. But I just wanted to finish with this. I wanted to say three things about faith before we're done. Three things about faith before we're done. But first, I'm going to... What time is it? Whoops. Okay, first I want to tell you guys a story. A story about faith from my own life. Um, and then we'll say three things about faith. And then the worship team will come back up and we'll be done. Um, when I was working here, 
my first year of working here, I was 22, and um, I had uh, scoliosis. I always confuse scoliosis and psoriasis. They are not the same. Okay, like three people laughed. You can look them up later if you want. They're not the same. <laughs> scoliosis is when your spine is like kind of curved. Wait, I have that one right, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. I always call it psoriasis, and people are like, that's weird. Psoriasis has affected your spine. And I'm like, no, that's what it is. Oh, wrong thing. Um, so scoliosis is when, is when your spine is curved. And so for a season of time, I was like really getting all these headaches all the time, and I just like was always feeling sick, and I had these nasty dark circles under my eyes, and I just was like... My head was hurting constantly. And so finally I went to my doctor and my doctor sent me to get x-rays. And when they got the x-rays back, it was because my spine was curved in this weird way. Um, and so it was causing me to have all these, ex- all these headaches. So I started going to physical therapy and I went to a chiropractor and I did all these different things because I was just desperately trying to get these headaches to go away. I wanted my back to not hurt. Like every time I drove in my car, I was like, it just hurt so bad. It was like the worst thing ever, you know? And I'm also kind of a drama queen. So like, it was like the worst thing ever, but like scale that back by 10%. I would say I'm a 10% drama queen. I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm like 20% to 30. I think 10%, which I feel like is a good amount of drama for anyone's life. We all could use 10% drama. Can I get an amen? Shh to this section. You are such a drama queen, Sam. Don't even shake your head at me. You're at least 12%. <laughs> So I was getting these headaches all the time. My spine was curved. It was like this horrible thing. And so I was going to this physical therapist like three times a week. I was going all the time over on Cornell all the time. And um, one day I was preparing for a sermon, a morning much like this one, gloomy out, bunch of high schoolers romping around, sermon writing, call it a coincidence. So I was preparing for a sermon and I was downstairs in the basement in my office and I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to the high schoolers? Not that I hadn't prepared before the Sunday before, but I don't know. I was just like, Lord, what do you want to say? And the Lord said, I'm going to heal you. And I was like, I meant this morning. What do you want to say to the high schoolers? I have a sermon to give in 20 minutes. Let's go. But I was like, what? And the Lord was like, I'm going to heal you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wrote it down and I thought, that's really cool. Um, That would be great. My back really hurts. Great. So then later that week, um, you guys know Adam Hillis, one of our administrators. He was on worship team, did a bunch of stuff. He and his wife, I asked he and his wife if they would pray for me because I felt like the Lord was saying, like, ask them to pray for you. So I asked them if they would pray for me. And they were like, okay, yeah, like Thursday we'll pray for you. And then come into his office at noon and then the three of us will pray together. And Asher had just been born, so he was there too. And so I walked into his office and I had a meeting with Ezra. I had a meeting with Ezra in like 40 minutes. So I walk into his office, and I was like, hey, uh, like, let's do this. I think I'm going to get healed right now. And it was crazy because the Lord in that moment gave me this great gift of faith. Like, in the moment, I was like, I'm getting healed. Like, I know I'm going to, but let's do it in 40 minutes because I got stuff I got to do, you know. Bigger fish to fry. (laughs) Meeting with Ezra. I think my meeting was about Instagram, too, so it mattered. So I was like, hey, like, let's do this. Um, Heal me, and I'll go. And they laid hands on me and prayed for me, and in that moment, I was healed. I mean, it was the most incredible thing in the world. I was like, I just was healed right then and there. And later that afternoon, I went to my doctor and I was like, I've been healed. God healed me. Like my back doesn't hurt. My head doesn't hurt. Like I'm taller, I think. Like, please. (laughs) 5'10 would be great. (laughs) 
Um, stretch it out. Um, but I like walked in and I was like, I've been healed. God healed me. And my doctor was like, yeah, my doctor literally actually was like, no, probably not. And I was like, okay, like check it out, like check. And so my doctor like felt down my spine and was like, oh, well, maybe the physical therapy has been working. (laughs) To which I was like, first of all, maybe. (laughs) Yikes, your profession. Um, But second of all, I was like, no, I know it was the Lord. The Lord healed me. And you guys, the next day I went on like a six-hour road trip. My back didn't hurt. I haven't had a migraine since. That was like four years ago. I haven't had a migraine. I've had other headaches. But you know what I mean. God healed me that day. Like, God healed me. And you know what's crazy? He didn't heal me because I read my Bible every day. He didn't heal me because I preach sometimes. He didn't heal me because I do a lot of good religious things. That's not why God healed me. God healed me because God healed me. God healed me because Jesus loves me. And I don't get why some people get healed and some people don't. That doesn't make sense to me. But the thing is, is it has nothing to do with how much good stuff I do. It has nothing to do with how much you work or how many things you do right. It has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ. And faith has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to do with us. This Christian life isn't about me. You living a Christian life, it isn't about you. It's about Jesus. And praise God that it's about Jesus because Jesus rocks. And if I'm going to live any sort of life, I want to live a life that honors him. If the worship team can come back up, here's three things about faith. One, faith is all Jesus. Faith is all Jesus. Faith is setting your eyes on Jesus Christ and not looking around, not wavering. It's running the race with perseverance. It's seeing Jesus and walking straight towards him. That does include reading your Bible. That does include going to church. That does include prayer. But those things aren't faith. Faith is Jesus. The second thing, Jesus' faithfulness is all Jesus. Jesus' faithfulness is not determined by you. God's faithfulness is all God. It's all Jesus. It's all his goodness. That's what that is. And the third thing is Jesus' focus is your heart. The reason that the centurion's servant got healed wasn't because the centurion did a bunch of good things. Jesus was on his way to heal him regardless. Jesus was on his way to heal him. He went when he was asked to go. Jesus went there. Jesus wasn't impressed by him building a synagogue. Do you notice that? Jesus wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm amazed you built a synagogue. Jesus was like, oh my goodness, I'm amazed. You have great faith. Your heart is good. The things you do, I'm sure that's great, but your heart is good. God cares about your heart. Jesus cares about your heart. Maybe you lead 5,000 Bible studies a week, but you don't have faith in your heart. You're not believing him. You're not giving him your heart, giving him your confidence, giving him your trust. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's not about our behaviors. It's not about our actions. It's not about this external thing. It's about your internal world. It's about your heart. It's about trusting in Jesus in your heart. Will you guys stand with me? sing this song, I just, I want to give us an opportunity um, to, to move our faith or to replace our faith. And I'm going to do, I want to do this too. So will you guys just pray with me and pray in this way? I want to pray that, that we would put our faith in Jesus. Because like Sam said earlier, the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. The faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. It's not how big it is. 
It's not how grand it is. It's not how great the world thinks of it. The world doesn't see a mustard seed and think like, that's the best thing ever. That's not what it's about at all. All that it's about is that your heart is with Jesus. All that it's about is that your mustard seed, this tiny ounce of faith you have, is in Jesus Christ. So while you're planning for college and you're stressed out because you don't know where to go, you don't know what to choose, maybe your family's falling apart, maybe maybe your friends have turned on you and you feel so alone, whatever it is, whatever area of your life that you're like, Jesus, come to my house and fix this. Come to my house and bring healing. Come to my house and heal my servant who is sick and dying. Come to my house and heal my family that is breaking apart. Come to my house and restore my love for you because it's gone. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're just thinking, oh, I'm hanging on by a thread in believing in Jesus. This morning, let's invite him to our house. Let's invite him to our internal world. Invite him to your heart to come and to restore what was once there. To come and to to create something good. Because here's the thing. He's not going to do it because you're good. He does it because he's good. He does it because he loves you. He does it because he looks at you. His face shines upon you and he loves you. Jesus saw the centurion's faith and the centurion's faith was less of me, more of you. And let's pray in that way.